We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, what's good, everybody, and welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Theus. Nick Theus 10 is where you can find me on all social media. Veteransminimum.com is you can find all things VM. And I want to get right into it because my guy is on the other line calling in all the way from Queens, New York. A double. What up, baby? Yeah, I feel a little underdressed to see your French jersey, and I'm like, wow, I have about six different Croatia jerseys. My Croatia jersey actually just came in the mail today, uh, the new 2022 one. Teo Kovacic, we have to get all the 2018 legends. So, uh, yeah, I feel underdressed, but boy, am I hyped to do this. Hey, listen, man, you're repping the brand at least. You know, uh, merch yeah. is available, veteransminimum.com, cheap plug, go and buy some merch. The holidays are coming around. It'd be a nice gift. Also, some extra money in the pockets for the boys. And yo, Alan, look, I didn't disrespect you, bro. It's the one star. Thank you. It's the one oh, star. Yeah. I know no, it's no a two sensitive. Stars. No two stars on this one. This is my first ever soccer jersey. My first ever jersey. It's a Zidane uh, 2002 World Cup one. And, uh, you know, it's, it's World Cup fever, man. I'm excited. It's one of my favorite events that comes around, as it is yours, too. And we always get some really good feedback Ooh. on the World Cup. And I like how we've kind of designed this show with you. And then I got uh, Jay coming on in the second half where we compare... NBA players to World Cup players, too, I think was a really funky and fun segment. And this is something that means a lot to us, dude, this World Cup. And uh, I think one of the first times that you ever came on VM was for a soccer preview before you kind of like became the pseudo co-host. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Euro 2016, Damn. which to me, it was a tournament that started strong, but then it kind of faded because that Portugal team was pretty lackluster. But, you know, we did have some good stories, especially Wales, which mm-hmm. I know you have your attention on. So uh, there was some memorable parts for that, for that uh, 2016. But you know, I remember doing podcasts with you for 2018. Hey, 2018 World Cup. What a time to be alive. Hey, man, look, I'm going to pat myself on the back because I gave out France 10 to 1 to win the World Cup. Uh, I know uh, it didn't end well. I know it's still a sensitive subject. I apologize hey, for that. I mean, <laughs> I still watch highlights since day. The parade will always live on. 
Yo, man, before we get into the nitty gritty and predictions and takes and all that funky stuff, I do have some facts about Qatar in this World Cup. And this has nothing to do with like the politics of it and the corruption of it. Because unless you're living under a rock, you know that this Qatar uh, incident has been highly, highly publicized and criticized by many outlets. But I think there's some interesting things that can factor into maybe your predictions or your betting strategy or whatever it might be. So, Alan, eight stadiums have been put aside for the FIFA World Cup, and they're all within 35 miles of one another, making it the first ever World Cup to be that close in proximity. You've heard stories in the past where you go from, you'd go from playing at the Rose Bowl in California to South Beach in Miami and like that traveling and the time change. And then maybe one team is playing in Pittsburgh and then the other one's playing in Houston. So a lot of traveling. I know I'm using the States as an example, but. I got a hell of an example. Russia. You're going from St. Petersburg to Moscow to Novgorod. Like Russia was ridiculous when it came to travel. Dude, and also the last Euro Cup was the first ever Euro Cup where it was like oh, an actual Euro Cup where, yeah, it was basically the England Euro Cup. They were the pseudo hosts because they had the most games played there. But even like you went to St. Petersburg, then you went to Copenhagen, then you're going to all these different places. And some of the traveling, right. I think the team that had the most travel ended up not advancing in the tournament. So that was something just, you know, it's a little funky. It's a little interesting. There's going to be the last major tournament for the World Cup that is going to feature 32 teams. After that, it'll be 48 teams, which, I mean, as a uh, as someone who has my heritage and my background as a dirty lamb, a Greek, maybe they'll be able to sneak into the World Cup now. <laughs> the I mean, the, the, the Italians are right with, right with you. Yo, that's a fact. Yeah, man. I can't believe that. Like, that's that's the wildest one, right? That's the wildest team that's not in the World Cup. We agree? I, again, yeah, second second time. Like, like I always pose this question: What's worse? Like, what would you would you take winning a Euro Cup over missing two World Cups? I don't think I could. I just think missing a World Cup is so significant. But then to lose two, uh, dude, we spoke about this when it happened because this is back to back World Cups that they're not in, but it's covered up by them winning a Euro Cup and. Yeah, for a well team, for, yeah, but for a team, and I think our conclusion. We might have agreed, but for a country as powerful as Italy when it comes to soccer, for them, I could see them saying, you know what? I'd take the two World Cup appearances because they've won it. For a team like Greece, I would take that, winning a Euro Cup as yeah. opposed to missing two. Uh, maybe, maybe a team like Switzerland, right? Sweden, one of those like lesser powerhouse teams. I think they sign up for it. But if you're Germany or France or Italy… Uh, you know, you ask any Brazilian, would you yeah, rather win? powerhouse. Yeah, yeah, you don't want that. So you'd much rather have it that way. Um, the last one, as someone who likes to indulge in beers, uh, drinking alcohol in public as well as being drunk in public is illegal in Qatar. You can face up to six months of a prison sentence and find as much as $850. I think that's something we need to account for for the British. You know, those hooligans, <laughs> those hooligans want to throw down some beers, bro. And now you're not going to be all lubed up in the stadium watching these games. I think that's something they're not going to be as rowdy. Yeah, it, it, I don't get that, but it's just that's part of their culture, I guess. But like, beer is such a huge part of soccer culture. To take that away is just, just ruining that. I mean, dude, I think beer is just a big part of every culture, if you ask me. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yo, so check this out, right? Of all the teams that made it through qualifying, there were a couple that went undefeated in qualifying. Some are your obvious ones. Some are surprises. The obvious ones, Brazil, Argentina, England, Belgium, and France all went undefeated in qualifying. Switzerland, Serbia, and Morocco. Shout out to Morocco. All finished World Cup qualifying undefeated. Thoughts? I thought Denmark was in there. I guess they lost one. Denmark's been a very hot, a hot run. I do, I do like to include Serbia because Serbia actually forced Portugal to go through a playoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Portugal was leading the group and then they 90th minute did Mark Mitrovic, the big striker on Fulham, and he scored and Serbia actually went through, through automatically winning the group with Portugal. So they're on a great run and also Switzerland. We kind of call them one of the more duller teams that make the tournament year, not year in, year out, but every two years. But Switzerland consistently, round of 16, last Euro Cup, they were one of the big highlights. So major credit to them. When it comes to one of the questions that we have for this one that I would, I would like to get answered is the top six, right? The six favorites to win the World Cup historically it's always been a top six betting favorite that goes on to win the World Cup. And when you're looking at this World Cup in particular, the six favorites are Brazil, Argentina, France. You have uh, Germany, Spain, and England. That's your six. Your winner is going to come from one of those six because we have... 21 other World Cups that have happened where the winner comes from there. The biggest long shot to reach the final was your Croatia in 2018 at 50 to 1 in some places. The longest shot that has won a World Cup from an odds perspective, Alan, has been Germany and Italy both closing as 9 to 1 favorites. The top six favorites have produced the last 12 World Cup winners. The previous ones were top eight favorites. So eight is the absolute deadline for you to win a World Cup. Alan, of the top six that we mentioned, which one are you the most concerned about? Has to be England. England has, I don't want to say been disarray, but just, and I don't know how much stock we could put into Nations League performances, given that the Nations League was in awkward times, being it was last summer and then in the fall of September, but they essentially didn't win any of the six games. They were in a group of Germany, Italy, and Hungary. And two of those three teams are not in the World Cup, which is kind of shows you where England's at. I just, I think every tour, you're always like anticipating England, but you always have that doubt. I just think defensively, keeper-wise, there's just not a lot of stability there. Kyle Walker, who's I think one of their key players, is recovered from groin surgery. Uh, he's going to be out, I think, for the group stage, which is problematic. And I'm not really convinced by any of their center backs, in particular Harry Maguire, who still somehow is getting starts. You know, Gareth Southgate, very loyal. It is right now in England, there's, yes, there's a lot of potential, but the lack of stability is concerning. And I just think you know, this is probably the first tournament quite some time where I think they have a very tough group and uh, they're not going to skate through it like they have in years past. I like the England call. Me personally, I hope uh, Harry Maguire is in the lineup when they play the, the Stars and Strikes. Oh, he will. <laughs> Because I can see Pulisic just running circles around them. Maybe get a red card, right? Have to pull yeah. him down last man. You never know. Uh, the team that I'm picking 
that concerns me. And hell, they can, I can see them winning the World Cup or I can see them not making it out the group, dude. And it's the team whose jersey I'm wearing right now. I had a feeling you were going that down route. Dude, I'm concerned with France, and here's why. The last three World Cup winners, Alan, all failed to make it out their group. Italy in 06 did not advance out the group in 2010. Spain did not advance out the group in 2014. Germany did not advance out the group in 2018. My main concern with France is a lot of your key players from that World Cup and this like dominant run, like, we forget that they also made it to the Euro Cup final in 2016. So this is like right. a six-year run where they've been so dominant. And like the premier team, I, I would say, in world football from a nation standpoint. What scares me is that Griezmann is not the player he was during that run. He was a top five to six player in the world at that time in that last World Cup. Where now he's probably like a top 20 player in La Liga. Like he is not the same player. A lot of wear and tear on him. You're not going to have Pogba. You're not going to have Conte. You still have Mbappe and Benzema up top. And their offense has become very like long ball. Have these guys run under it. And those two are the two best strikers in the world. So them alone can completely change the dynamic of a game. And the last thing that has me a little concerned about and not, I don't want to call it a hedge, but how I said that they might not make it up the group or they might win the whole tournament is that, Alan, of the teams that I mentioned that won the World Cup and then didn't make it out the group, their core was kind of at the end of their primes. And they were not in their primes. We're like, you still got Mbappe. Your defense is pretty solid still. Your goalie's a little older and you Reese, but Glorious. He's, still, he's still very solid over at Spurs. And, you know, you got Coleman, you got Dembele also. So you still have that influx of youth. But that's the only difference between the, this French team and like the Italy, Germany, and Spain teams when they didn't make it out the group. Right. Uh, the thing is, I, I don't buy any of the talk about France not making out a group because their group is very favorable. Like Tunisia, Australia are not touching France. Denmark is a very formidable foe. Denmark actually beat them in September in the last Nations League match. So I could see Denmark posing problems, but I, Tunisia, Australia, man, I say it almost every time Australia is back in the World Cup, like this is the worst Australia team. This is literally the worst Australia team. Like they, they beat my good Peruvians, very disappointing. The Peruvians, they were ready to go, but Australia beat them in a penalty shootout to, just to barely even qualify. So I think France will be fine there, but I do think there are concerns just based on the, now losing that experience. And they're basically inserting like, 20-year-old midfielders like Kamavinga and Tushmeni, who are like that's like the future of Real Madrid right there. As exciting as they are, can they step up in a tournament where they're going to be playing every four or five days when you know they're not doing that in Real Madrid because you have Cruz, Modric, mm. and Valverde there. So I think just now the base of France's midfield, I do wonder how that's going to look like just because Pope and Conte, those were like the two, those like their nucleus in 2018 and in the Euros, uh, past years. So that's where the concern lies. I'm not sure how Varane looks as well. Like he's not quite the same player since going to Man United. So there are questions there. But I mean, when you talk about like game changing talent, France still has that. You talk about the two forwards up front. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. Tunisia and Australia. It, you, you, yeah, you're gonna. 
Maybe yeah. them crashing out in the group stage is a bad take, but definitely a bad take. It'd be a shock, like fire everyone. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the Champs, I'm still surprised is there. But I think if, because if you look at the groups of France, they have to prioritize coming in first because if they come in second, they're likely facing Argentina. And this is in 2018 where Argentina is in shambles. Like, no, if this... they have to play Argentina, France will probably be on the underdog. So if I'm like, France needs to win this group to avoid Argentina because Argentina is like one of the two teams I think every team should look to avoid. We talked about the teams that we were concerned with in the top six. I want to save the conversation of who we feel we're most confident in because that might, I don't know your answer, but for me, it, that's who I have winning. So I want to save that towards the tail end. Okay. I want to pivot into something where I had a completely different answer coming into this week, Alan, and prepping for this show. But we always see a team make a run. Uh, ultimately, the run that Croatia went on was crazy because of their, from an odds perspective, to go all the way to the final was wild, that 50-1. to one. But who do you think could be this year's version of the 2018 Croatia side? I mentioned a few times already, but Denmark. I just think Denmark's such a unified team that just have a lot of solidity. Like, I, like defensively, they're always well-organized. You have Kier on Milan, Christensen at Barcelona. Like, they're just... They're no nonsense. And like, yeah, you need that flair. But look, since Ericsson's come back and Ericsson's come back with a bang, like he's doing very well at May United. They're just, I always think with Denmark, when you have that organization, but then you have this, the set piece excellence, then you have just a couple guys there chipping goals. Because I think Italy kind of sent the blueprints. Like, yeah, you would love to have a, a reliable striker, but you could win a tournament just through having a great defense, dominant keeper. Even though Schmeichel's kind of on his last legs, he still has that greatness in him. So, uh, it was hard to pick. There's not too many clear-cut choices out there, but I've been thoroughly impressed by Denmark these last four years. They were actually, they nearly eliminated Croatia in the last World Cup. They went to penalties, and let's not forget, they made the semifinals of the last Euros and were, were unfortunate to lose to England. So uh, Denmark's been on a run, and I think definitely be on the lookout for them. Although they're kind of in a precarious position where it's kind of like France. If they come in second place, they're going to have to play Argentina. So Denmark is kind of in a position where they got to win that group. Yeah, Denmark is getting a lot of attention. And also, like, they were kind of the feel-good story of the Euro Cup after that crazy uh, incident that happened to Ericsson also. And it's great to see him uh, recovered from that, right? And he's played at Manchester United. And uh, he's, he's, he's starting to play a little bit better for them. I know Manchester United is in shambles right now. A lot of chaos surrounding that side. But for me, dude, I'm going to South America. Man, this Veterans Minimum might become a Uruguay podcast, bro. I am very... I'm excited about them too. Dude, I'll t I'm telling you, man. And I might have to become a Real Madrid fan because there's a lot of Real Madrid talent that I just love watching. And Valverde, you want to take, bro? Golden ball winner. Wow. Right now in the world, he is playing at... He's in the best form, in my opinion, of any midfielder heading into this World Cup. He is crushing it at Real Madrid right now. Yeah. He does not get subbed out. He scored, I think, like nine goals so far this season. And like seven of them are top three sports center goals. Like he's hitting bangers. And he's a big part of Real Madrid. Um, doesn't get subbed off. Like I said, he's in form right now. And they have a good balance of experience and young talent. Him being one of the experienced and young talent guys, even though he's 23 years old, I think it is. You still got Cavani over there. You got Luis Suarez. 
Darwin Nunez, for as much crap as he got starting out in Liverpool, got a red card also in the Premier League. He's playing pretty well the last couple of games, so he has that momentum heading into this cup too. And dude, just, just very... They are a tournament team. Like, they are a team that's going to make it annoying. Um, very similar to, like, Italy prior to the Euro. They're going to play a lot of 1-0 games. Um, they're going to, I was going to say lay and pray, but that's not the term. That's more of a UFC term. No. But, like, they're going to, you know, they're gamesmanship, right? They're going to roll on the ground yeah. and, and hold their ankle, and they're going to wait for substitutions. Like, they have a lot of Italian soccer uh, tendencies to them. But they got guys playing in big clubs. They got guys playing in Napoli. They got guys playing at Tottenham. Um, Real yeah, Madrid. Like Bendikur has been very good this season. He's been very, very good. And then you got you still got game records, man. And 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 Cavani. Uh, last I was watching a Valencia game a couple like you know like two weeks ago because I'm a degenerate and it was Sunday morning before football and he scored a goal also so he seems to be in form. But dude, there's something about Uruguay and you look at their path like. Yeah, eventually it's when you, favorable. it's favorable, right? And eventually when you get to the quarterfinals in the in the World Cup, you're going to play a banger of a team, right? You're just gonna. That's just how it is. So, dude, Uruguay, man, 50 to 1. I've already bet them as like a long shot. I've bet Valverde to win the Golden Ball at 50 to 1 also. And I think they're a sneaky semifinal team and and staying on like the the Golden Ball thing just from a betting perspective, Alan. The last couple of tournaments, it's not an award where like you must go to the final or win it in order for you to win it, right? Like James with Colombia got bounced in the round of eight. He won the golden ball. Uh, Modric, of course, he went all the way to the final and rightfully so. Um, You saw Donnarumma with Euro Cup, different tournament, but still the same kind of concept. It's not like... It's not something where you've needed to go on a deep run in order for you to win this award. And like... I see a path to them getting to a quarterfinals or a semis and him being a B, he's going to be a big reason why, if not the reason why. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll fully with you. That was actually, I was debating between them and Denmark. So I'm glad I did not pick Uruguay. I allowed you to talk about them because I'm very high on them as well. And I do think that group bodes well for them. And look, they got... Because we always think of Uruguay, that South Korea, because we've been seeing Uruguay major tournaments since 2010, but now mm-hmm. they have a new golden generation coming up. And it's, uh, it's exciting to see because with South America, you want to see more than just Brazil and Argentina. I want you to give me a player who is on... We always see a player, I should say, who plays on a middling team in Europe. Maybe he plays on a... Leicester City, or he plays on a, um, you know, a top flight team in Greece. Terrible example, I know, but like, just bear yeah. with me, right? Like, maybe you're playing for like La, Frankfurt, Liga, La Liga, Serie A. Yeah, yeah, you're playing for Monaco, yeah. right? And then you have yeah. this tournament, and then all of a sudden you're looking after the tournament. It's like Man U, Arsenal, Madrid, Juventus are bidding for this player. Yeah. Do you have one in mind that can? use the World Cup as a showcase to show how good he could be? Well, he's already gaining interest because Brighton's been one of the better feel-good stories so far this Premier League season. But I love Moises Sacedo, who is a midfielder for Ecuador. And I do think Ecuador is going to have a good tournament. They have, a, I think, a favorable group, especially now, given Mane's issues mm-hmm. with Senegal. I think Sacedo's at the box-to-box midfielder, which you don't see too much anymore. Like, he literally could 
you know, get that key tackle or that interception and then go down the other side and just whether it's second chance or putting a shot on goal or just being that creator. And I think he's just one of those players that is a big reason why Brighton's kind of had this, not resurgence, but just kind of showing, becoming a team that used to fight for their lives in the relegation bout to now an established mid-table team. And for a club like Brighton to be an established mid-table team speaks volumes. And he's already beginning interest, but now I think on the world stage for the Ecuador team, it's very, very feisty. I've watched some of those South American qualifiers. Ecuador is, you want to talk about physicality, they're going to bring it. And, like, they, and ironically, they played the first game against Qatar, so I could already see him having a show performance. And he'll go against the Netherlands, against Frankie de Jong. So uh, he's got a couple of matchups where he can really show out and I think he's someone to look out for. If you're watching Ecuador, which I know doesn't have many big stars, but look out for Moises Sacedo. Midfielders kind of get a little overlooked, and he's one of those classic box-to-box midfielders that could uh, spark things up. That's a good one. That's definitely a good one. And yeah, if Ecuador should make it out the group. Um, something interesting, all but one host nation, South Africa in 2010, has advanced out the group. Uh, with the Senegal news with Mane, I think that's something to monitor. And also, dude, you know, Qatar got that game moved for the Ecuadorians. And there's been a lot of criticism. For those that don't know, the World Cup was supposed to start on Monday. Well, yeah. But it's starting on Sunday because Qatar moved it from Monday to Sunday so that they could have it like the main attraction, which historically always happens. You always have like the host Absolutely. nation playing by itself. And I get it. But they moved it, and a lot of Ecuadorian fans are like, yo, what about us? We made travel arrangements to leave that Monday. Now it's it just it's throwing things off for them, and it's been uh, heavily criticized. And uh, I kind of think Qatar might be live in that first game, man. I think they, they, they're going to shock a lot of people. I think that home, that home field rub, you know that they went their league, all of the Qatar uh, national team members all play for the Qatar League. Um, I couldn't name one team from the Qatar League, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, I'm not giving any analysis <laughs> on this. This, this, is just, this is just, no. We'll so, see. So the only analysis <laughs> is that they stopped their league like the middle of September and all they've been doing is playing uh, either friendlies or training together. So no one has yeah. gone on leave. So I think from a continuity standpoint, I don't know what kind of talent Qatar has, but I think it might be interesting, dude. Okay. I mean, we'll see. Uh, all right, so my my guy is also, I think, he's playing on a team that, yo, Japan might make some noise in this tournament, especially in the group stage. That's another one. I'm excited for Japan. Always, man. Dude, so <clears throat> they open up against Germany. They're in the same group with Germany, Costa Rica, and Spain, right? Like, that's their group. Yo, Japan played the U.S. in a scrimmage, and I was watching that game, and you want to talk about taking the life out of a team. What Japan did to the U.S. was wild. And they beat the United States. And they got this kid. Ready for this? Takefusa Kubo has previously played for Barcelona and Real Madrid. He's 21 years old. He plays for Real Sociedad. Nickname? The Japanese Messi, Alan. Okay. That's getting some hype. Yo, a lot of pressure with lot, that name. Yeah, yeah. No pressure at all, man. Just be the, one of the yeah. goats. Or the goat, right? Um... This dude is already linked to a couple teams over in the Premier League. Uh, Arsenal has had their eyes on him. Uh, um, Bayern Munich has had their eyes on him too. And he's very crafty, very shifty. And the thing about this, like, to talk about Japan for a second also, yo, they go after it, bro. 
Like, they're not just a let's sit back and counter. Like, nah, they're going to put some pressure on you and they're going to have you backing up and backpedaling. Japan is going to be a very feisty team. Like, yeah, they might lose to Spain and Germany, but those two are going to leave that game saying, yo, Japan is something to take seriously. And I think a big reason why is because of Kubo. So he's, he's a guy who I think can have a nice tournament for Japan in the group stage and, and then be on a, a big team playing Champions League somewhere. I, I, I'm not too familiar with him. I've heard his name before, but it's cool to see a forward because um, is he like one of those traditional forwards? Is he more like a, a attacking mid? But I would, I would say he's more of like, a, the, like the new school forward that's like really a left okay. winger. You know, like plays on the wing, but also scores a lot of goals. Like that's yeah, it cuts you know, inside. Okay, yeah, like a false nine would be a great analogy of, okay. of what what he's like. But yeah, man, I think he's a uh, he's someone to definitely keep your eye on for sure. He's going to be interesting. <clears throat> All right, um, I want to go into well, there was something you wanted to mention about some of the big clubs. What was it? Some of the big nations. Oh, I want to mention uh, a team that you think will crash out of the group stage. Oh, dude. I mean, I know I said France before, but that's that's a terrible take. I think my French concerns are out of the group stage. Uh, crash and burn, I think for me, it's Belgium. Ooh, I mean, it's been talked about because Lukaku's fitness is a major concern and they're very old and don't have much coming up. Yo, so... <clears throat> They play Canada first. Shout out to Canada, making it to the World Cup. Good for them. Oh, I'm so excited about Canada, but I'm so disappointed they're in a very unfortunate group. Yeah, pretty. uh, This is definitely the group of death, right? I think this is the most difficult group. I don't think there's a group of death, but like, it's it's the most difficult group. Like we talked about in 2018, there was no real group of death, but ironically, Croatia had Nigeria, Iceland, and Argentina. So that was kind of a difficult group, but I, I can't consider this a group of death. It's like you have three like real formidable teams. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, you're right. I, I think it's... It, all right, so maybe not group of it's death. It's the most difficult, most, tr- most, most unpredictable. Balanced? Yeah, okay, perfect. That's the word. So here's the thing, right? We've seen powerhouse nations not make it out the group. Uh, 2018 in Russia was pretty chalky. Like, no one missed the group. But in 2014, Portugal, Spain, Italy, and Germany all lost in the group. England finished last in their group that year. Well, Germany won in 2014. Oh, sorry, sorry. 2018. Yeah. My bad. 2018, yeah. they didn't make it out. Yeah, that's what yeah, I meant. 2018. Um, so, you're always going to see one team. And to me, I think Belgium is the one that checks all the boxes. Uh, guys that they were reliant on in the past are just no longer the players that they were. Like you mentioned, Lukaku. Yeah, De Bruyne could take over games on his own. But now it's the other Hazard who plays on Dortmund who you got to account for and like worry about. But like Witzel is 33 and like is he someone that's going to take over a game i don't think so and to me that's just a team that i think look morocco morocco one of my buddies is uh moroccan i was talking to him about about their like outlook and you know they got a akimi who plays for um uh psg and oh, Akeem. I think it's Ziyech. Yeah, so, so their two best players, Ziyech and this other guy whose name is escaping me, they didn't play for 15 months with Morocco because they had beef with the manager. And then the manager yeah. gets let go and he brought them back. And now you're adding two players who were your arguably two of your three best players with the dude from PSG. 
they're back on the roster, and you went undefeated in qualifying. And I know it's it's the uh, it's the African qualifying. Oh, those are very difficult qualifiers. They're very difficult. Yo, some hostile yeah. places to play in too, right? Like yeah, field conditions. Man, that's an accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, and they went undefeated in that. So you have that. You have Canada, and you got Croatia too. The uh, a team that I think has a lot of pride in themselves, and they're not going to go out like suckers, especially how they went into the World Cup last year and how it ended uh, their last World Cup. So. Dude, Belgium is just a team that like, yeah, you might make it out the group. It might look ugly, but if they make the quarterfinals, I'll be shocked. I think this is a team that you would want to run into. Like, I was hoping the U.S. could get them in their group as opposed to England. Like, I wanted them. um, We'll get to the U.S. in just a little bit. But like, if the U.S. makes it out the group, they finish second. They'll probably play the Netherlands in the round of 16, which, yo, no disrespect to them. Sign me up for that. Yeah, you take that. Yeah, give me that instead of France, uh, Germany, Brazil. Brazil's, Argentina. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll take yeah. that. So, yeah, man, Belgium to me is just like the, the the team, the golden generation of them. It came and went. And like, yeah, you made a run. You you won third place and you made some semifinals. But I don't see it with them. And I think that's a team that I'm ultra concerned about in the group stages. And if I had to pick a traditional big name of the last like decade and a half, I think that's the one. Okay. I mean, that's a hell of a choice. Uh, you make a lot of strong points. I just, I look at De Bruyne Courtois. I'm just like, I think they have enough. Just like those two there are still at the top of their game. So I think, and I do respect Roberto Martinez as a manager. So I think both just has enough. But no, that's a hell of a pick. But if I go one, and I just, it's the way they play, for all the talent, and now all the controversy, Portugal checks all the boxes the team's going to crash out. Like, what Ronaldo has done these past few days, I think it's just been a total nightmare. The reaction has been nasty. And for all the talent they have, I love Bernardo Silva. I love Joao Cancelo. I love Joao Felix, Bruno Fernandes. Like, these are top-quality players. And they might be able to put it together. But Portugal, since... I, I don't think they've particularly played great since even the last World Cup. Like, it's just been... I don't know, Fernando Santos, for all his success, he's very defensive-minded, and it just does not suit the way Portugal wants to play at this point. So I think the conflict there... And I think the over-reliance of Ronaldo, who's clearly fading, he just, I don't think you should be able to depend on him anymore. Uh, I'm concerned about Portugal. I know they have somewhat of a favorable draw, but look, we know we like Uruguay, and I can see Ghana or South Korea. Like, those are those fucky teams, in particular South Korea. The mass man, Sun Hyun Min, take it to him, man. We saw what they did four years ago in Germany. So yep. uh, I'm I'm fairly confident. I Look, I love their players, but between the Ronaldo controversy and not be, I think the manager being outdated, I think Portugal's going to crash out. Okay. This take felt a lot stronger for me prior to the Pierce Morgan interview and all the chaos that ensued from it. However, remember when I told you that there's a wild, wild trend of Euro Cup goal scorers and World Cup? Yeah. All right. Ready for this? In 2008 at the Euro Cup, the top goal scorer was David Villa. Spain wins the World Cup in 2010. Euro 2012, top goal scorer, tied with a couple other people, but top goal scorer, Mario Gomez. Germany wins the World Cup wow. in 2014. I've not heard of a very long time. <laughs> right. They win the World Cup in 2014. In 2016, the Euros, Antoine Griezmann, they win the World Cup in uh, 2018. Alan, do you know who the top goal scorer was in uh, Euro 2020? 
Look, man, Ronaldo was tied. With, <laughs> I think it was. I think he was tied with Patrick Schick. We're Czech Republic, man. Shout to the yeah, Czech Republic. Oh, Patrick Schick. Oh my God, that goal against Scotland will forever be ingrained in my mind. But okay, I I had a feeling. Okay, look, man, this guy can't play ninety minutes at this point. Like, yeah, I just think. Look, Ronaldo could pop up with a goal or two. I'm not gonna doubt greatness, man. I respect his greatness, but right now it's just it's hard to be optimistic. It's it's looking a little suspect in Portugal, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. But listen, as a degenerate, you already know I'm betting on Portugal because of that. Like, come on, man, we gotta follow these trends. We gotta follow these trends. I mean, you love Ronaldo. Yeah, I respect greatness, man. And, and when you have an iconic, I, I, I get that. Yeah, yeah. When you have iconic players like that, I think it's something to to definitely. They could take over. You saw him do that in the last World Cup. I know it was four years ago. Completely different level of player that he was then and now. But, you know, he, he does have things up his sleeve. And I, I think Portugal is, they have a lot of talent. Um, let's see what the fallout is going to be from all this stuff. All right, Alan, we need to, uh, we're going to start winding this down just a little bit. I did send you a text over there uh, for a couple of things. But I want to talk about, uh, give me your semifinals. And then give me your finals and then your winner. And then you could also give me like your player of the tournament. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going Argentina, Brazil, France, Uruguay. I was really tempted to pick Croatia, but the instability at the keeper position and their lack of a goal scorer, uh, I think Croatia's going to have a hell of a run, but I'm going to pick Uruguay to beat them, uh, which makes them get in the semis. So yeah, three South America teams. I'm, I'm buying to South America. Wow. Okay, so then what's your final? Uh, Brazil, France. Oof. Oof. I got to go with the two heavyweights. And I then, just think those, they're the two most complete squads. And then who do you have winning? Brazil is just too loaded. Like you, like you just look at their squad, particularly with the forwards. Like in the, I think this is a tournament where we're going to see what team could use their five subs the best. And I think Brazil is most equipped to do that. Because uh, look, we know how much these clubs have been forcing these players to play. It's been very difficult. Like, you know, we could rely on form, but some of these players just might be totally fatigued, which is why I think that's going to be most crucial. And that's why I think Brazil and France are two standout teams. But it's just Brazil has the most firepower and they have the best goalkeeper, whether it be Ederson or Allison. So you have Uruguay winning that group then, right? Over Portugal? Yeah, I got Yeah. Yeah, I got Uruguay and South <clears throat> Korea. I'm riding with South Korea. Wow. Wow, that's nice. I like that. That's a take. That's a take for sure. I don't agree, but that's a take. I like it. Because, you know, that's something important. Like, I just I just put up this post on my, my Instagram, too, before I get into, like, the nitty-gritty of my semis and, and the final matchup. You got to be careful because there are certain bets you can make, like, name the finalists of who you think is going to be in the World Cup. It's one of my favorite bets to make. You need to pay attention to the bracket. You need to understand how the bracket works because first in one group plays second from another group. And chances are, like, the most heavily wagered amongst, like, 12 different sports books that I've looked into is a Brazil-Argentina World Cup final, 25 to 1. If both finish first, they're playing each other in the semis. Both are minus 400 or more to win their group. It's expected, like, 80% of the time that they both win their group. You're donating your money. So all these people that have heavily wagered on that to be the final, it's kind of donations. You're going to keep the lights on at a lot of these casinos and establishments in, in Vegas and just around the country with all the sports betting that's opening up. So it's just important to like understand the bracket because it goes a long way. With that being said, 
my semis is also going to be Argentina and Brazil. And I do think the winner of that hoists the World Cup. I think this run of European teams winning the World Cup is coming to an end. The last team to win a World Cup that was not European was Brazil in 2002. And I think it's going to be Brazil and Argentina on that side of the bracket in the semis. And I have, I have England in, in like the most ugly and like the most ugly way possible, like penalty kicks and just like grossness. I have them. 2018 all over again. Yeah, I have them playing Portugal. And my yeah. final is going to be. It's going to be Brazil and Portugal, and I think Brazil wins the World Cup. I think Brazil. I'd love to see Portugal make a run. They got a hell of a squad. I just, I'm concerned. Can make a strong case that them two have the most attacking power in this tournament. Agreed. Yeah. And man, this Brazil team is special, dude. Is the best iteration of Brazil that we've seen in a long time. And it's the most complete, too. Because even in the past, like, you had Neymar and, and Firmino and you had Coutinho. Like, they had a lot of attacking talent. And then defensively, they were a little suspect. But now they're just solid across the board. And I don't even know what they're going to do up top and, and, and just attacking with all the talent that they have. Like, Martinelli should be a starter with how well he's been playing in Arsenal. But then you got Neymar and Vinicius also. And, and Rafinha. Okay. Like you have just you just have so much talent, man. And with I this, I think Anthony's a huge X factor. Oh my god, I didn't even mention him. Yeah, like what? Yeah. Are you kidding me? So to, he he takes flair to the next level. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's very brash and he's very outspoken. And you know, he recently said like dribbling is in my DNA and and all that stuff. So, and I think it's gonna be Brazil. Um, if you don't like chalk, uh, too bad because that's what the World Cup has always been. It's always been chalk. It's always been the obvious selections because this is the shortest amount of time between the opening game and the final only 28 days, I believe in between. That's another one of those Qatar stats. Also, Alan, I got Brazil winning it from a long shot perspective. I think Valverde wins the golden ball, but I think this is a tournament where people leave saying that Vinicius might be the best player in the world. Yeah. He's my golden ball winner. I, I think, this is his tournament to tear it up. Yeah, he's 16 to 1 in many places. Very, very good number. And yeah, I think I think if Brazil want to make a deep run, like I think they could, I think Neymar is going to need to come to his senses and understand that like, one, you don't need to do it all on your own. And two, like, it's no longer your Brazil, bro. Like, we just got to be honest. And I think he understands it. Just playing through PSG now, playing with it. I know... PSG's is always drama there, but look, playing with Messi's is always going to ground them. And I think Brazil's a lot of leaders. Like we were talking about the FIFA documentary with Thiago Silva, and I think Tite is a great manager as well. So I think Brazil has that nucleus. We didn't mention Casemiro, but I know it's been a little quiet for me tonight. But I, in terms of big game experience, there's not too many that have big game experience quite like Casemiro. So I think Brazil, they have enough influence there where just like they can keep Neymar's ego in check. This was fun, man. I can't wait. We're gonna we're gonna skip on the NFL because we're, we're running up on time here. But also, like you know, there's a second part of this episode too that's being pieced together, uh, comparing NBA players to World Cup stars. Also, with uh, Jay, formerly of Complex and Soul Savvy, he's been on the pod a bunch. Uh, he's done some World Cup w- with us too in the past, Alan. So you'll have that, uh, Alan. Tell the people where they could find you. 
Alan Sterk, A-L-L-E-N-S-T-R. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay. That guy, JT, on Twitter, formerly of Complex, First We Feast, Elite Daily, Soul Savvy, and uh, one, of, one of the greatest stories of how he got into soccer, man. Jay, what's good, bro? It's good, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate uh, you inviting me. Always chopping it up. Always having a good time. A lot of fun. So for those that don't know, Jay was... Uh, Give him a rundown again, because right, I, I love it, man. It's one of my favorite ones. Let's not, let's not make it 12 minutes like we did that first time when we introed it, but yeah. give us like the goodies yeah, of, of how you got exposed to soccer, dude. Yeah, um, literally almost 10 years, too. Uh, I was studying abroad in Madrid, had no sports to watch. Big Giants fan, Mets fan, um, you know, Knicks fan. And I just had nothing to watch out there. The time difference was was really... Killing me. So I decided to pick up a sport, and I was staying in Madrid. It was between Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid, and I think I made the right choice. <laughs> That's like being uh, I know this is going to hurt us because we're both Mets fans, but it's like picking between the Mets and the Yankees if you first came to New York. You probably want to yeah, pick the Yankees, true. bro. Like, being a Yankee fan is definitely way cooler. But, but being a Mets exactly. fan, exactly. being a Mets fan shows character. Definitely. Definitely. I think it's on both sides. Listen, Knicks as well. I know it's not the same, but it's a lot of character building. So I think uh, I kind of, it was owed to me joining a, you know, winning side, a front running side. It's, it's not my style, but, you know, I like Madrid all the way. Dude, I'll never forget one time I was talking to this girl and she asked me, well, why do I say that I'm so loyal? I was like, yeah, I've been a Mets and Knicks fan my whole life and all they've done is break my heart and I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> So loyalty's in my jokes. DNA, bro. Hey, it's man. It's the truth. Yo, speaking of Knicks, speaking of NBA, uh, we came up with this idea with the World Cup starting next week. I think a really cool way to get a lot of casual fans to sort of get integrated with some of these players. Let's compare them to NBA stars, right? Some of the marquee names in this World Cup. Let's give them a cross a cross-sport comparison so that when people are watching these games, because, dude, these networks pay billions of dollars to showcase it. It's going to be leading a lot of the talk shows. And it's in the middle of the football season, which, you know, I don't want to get too political with the Qatar stuff. Everyone has said what they need to say about it. But it was a cool idea because I know you're super passionate about the NBA as well. And 
Right. I, I feel like it would be a cool way of people watching the World Cup and being like, all right, this is this is the LeBron James of soccer or this is the Giannis. So I'm excited to get this one going. And since you're the guest, dude, I wanna I wanna throw it to you first, dude. Give me a soccer player and then give me his NBA comparison. First of all, when you talk about this idea, you know, it makes that most sense. And even explain it right now, it's like a lot of people don't start watching until international soccer and they're like all right i want to get caught up in the craze and so this down for for people that aren't too interested and then they want to be interested at at the right time perfect and uh first person i want to do a comp between is uh kevin durant and neymar um you know players that are at the top of their game um i don't want to say they've even peaked um because they kind of keep getting better katie coming back from that injury neymar you know choosing to go to psg kind of just how katie chose to go to Golden State, then chose to go to the Nets. Um, you know, so I, I feel like it's the trajectory of their careers and, and them being, you know, pioneers in a space where a lot of people, you know, choose to team up. They're like, all right, you know what? I'm going to do it too, but I'm going to do it better. I'm going to do it in a position where, you know, I'm going to try to put myself in the best spot to win. Neymar hasn't done it yet, um, but Kevin Durant has when he made the move. But, you know, you know, polarizing figures, I'd say as well, within their respective sports. But at the same time, you got to watch them. Box office. Yo, I love that one because Neymar was on Barcelona the way Durant went to the Warriors. Barca was stacked, right? Gets his championships over there, but they kind of got an asterisk, right? Like, yo, you won, but you had Messi. You won, but you had Steph right. and Clay. Now I want to right. do my own thing. I go to Brooklyn, who's never right. won. I go to PSG, who's never won. And you're right, dude. If you ever want to look into some of the heat that he gets over in Paris, they make fat, they body shame him. They say that he's fat when he shows up to camps in the off season after being in the off season. So it's been some, it's been some interesting takes on both of these guys, and and I like it a lot. I'm gonna stay with a uh, Brazilian, and dude, he's twenty to one. I know you're not much of a degenerate, but I'll do the gambling for you. Do it, please. Your boy Vinicius on Brazil is, in my opinion, going to be the breakout star of this World Cup. I mentioned how I feel like Brazil is going to win the World Cup. This is the best iteration of Brazil in a very long time. Top to bottom, super complete. And to me, Vinicius plays for Real Madrid. Probably the best player. Well, second best player on Real Madrid. Got to give Kareem Benzema his flowers. But I think Vinicius, his NBA comparison, comparison is, is Luka. Luka Doncic. And here's why. Because they're both young still. They're not yet at their absolute apex and the best player in the world. But everyone is coining them as the next one. Like, this dude's going to win a Ballon d'Or. This dude is going to win countless Champions Leagues. I'm saying he's going to win the Golden the golden ball for the World Cup. And then Luca in the NBA is like, yo, this guy, last couple of years, he's been the favorite or one of the favorites coming into the season. And we're just waiting for them to officially get crowned as the best in the world. Right. No, I completely agree with that. When, when you threw that one my way while I was brainstorming, I was like, kind of hit it on the head right there. They got a lot going for them and they haven't been crowned yet, but like you can tell it's only a matter of time. I feel like same with Luca. Everyone's, Thought he was going to be the MVP for the last two, three years. And then this year he shows up and it's like, oh, okay. 
he's about that. It's about time he's going to do it. So uh, I see the comparison a lot. What's another one that you got? My chose here was Tony Cruz and Jokic. So these two players is when you watch them, you you see their brilliance. When you hear about them, read about them, you're like, all right, what does this guy really do? Like, maybe I got to see so that I can understand their game. And then once you see, it's just like that vision that they have. Like, ball's always in their, in their hands, they're at their feet, depending on the sport. And they're making the long passes, the key passes. Um, you know, with Jokic, he could score, he could get the ball in the net. Same with Tony Cruz. He's occasional few bangers, a, a nice little Olympian goal he had one time. Um, so he, they both do their thing in, in their respective lanes, and they have a lot of accolades. Uh, you know, Jokic is a two-time MVP. Tony Cross has won multiple UCLs. He's won with Germany a World Cup. So, you know, they're decorated in their respective sports for, you know, doing what they do. And I feel like they're very, like, precision and making sure that they're on top of their game so that their team goes. That's a good one, too. The facilitating also. And just, like, solid, mm-hmm. right? Like, just solid across the board, uh, down the middle too, like the spine of the team uh, with, with Tony Cruz there in Germany. He's been a big catalyst for that. I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in Germany heading into this World Cup, man. Last World Cup, they didn't make it out the group, which was wild for like a team like Germany. Like exactly. us, us growing up, like they were always in the semis. Like just out of nowhere, they were like the San Antonio Spurs of world football. They were just... Uh, we don't think highly of Germany. Oh shit, they're in the they're in the semifinal against so and so. So it's going to be interesting right. to see them come back. They do have a a pretty intriguing group too. I believe they're with Spain, also. Um, the aforementioned Kareem Benzema. I think this is the best one that we have for the show. I still don't know all of yours, but uh, but for me, this is the best one. Kareem Benzema is Kyrie Irving. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I want to hear this. All right. So for those that don't know the backstory of Kareem Benzema, coming up, one of the best forwards in the world, a staple on the French national team. And then he had that sex tape scandal with one of his teammates, got exiled from the national team, was getting a lot of heat from the press. Uh, The sabotage stuff was always flying under the radar, too, because they used to have Gareth Bale. Him and Ronaldo, the other guys, got the big attention. And rightfully so. At the time when Bale came over, he was like, holy shit, Gareth Bale coming. And then obviously Ronaldo is like one of the most iconic players of all time. He was always like the forgotten son, but was always like really consistent in scoring a lot of goals. And he had all the heat from the media. And then Kyrie, the last ever since he left LeBron, it's been... Uh, to say a roller coaster would be an understatement, right? Like the COVID stuff, uh, the way he leaves Boston, him deciding I'm only playing road games to then him just going ghost on the team. And he gets a lot of media scrutiny too. And not for nothing, man, he's, he, he's like a top two guard in the NBA when he wants to play. And he's hit yeah. iconic shots. He's shown up in big games also. Like that game that him and LeBron both had a 40-piece in the finals. They don't win that without him. He hits that big shot in a in the game seven in Golden State that wins them the title. Benzema has scored countless goals and big moments in the Champions League. And I feel like this was more so of the, the scrutiny side of it. 
that these guys have had some wacky shit go against them. And a lot of it was like well-deserved. But I think Benzema and Kyrie Irving is, is probably my favorite one of this one. That's a good one because, you know, I didn't get it when you break it down. Sense, And I do want to throw this one out here. Shout out to my boy, Wander. He calls it a team misunderstood. You know, like, I feel like a lot of people don't know Benzema's situation, like you mentioned. But, like, if I post about him, they're like, hey, isn't this guy bad? So that's like, breaking it. Why is he bad? Is it bad? And then same with Kyrie. The same thing he's saying, oh, I agree with certain things. I don't agree with certain things. Um, you know, so, like, is he misunderstood? Is he a problem child? Like, yeah, he can be, but it's not beyond you know as soon as long as he suits up and he wins and he puts on i feel like goes away like most sports and you know it's that's been the Benzema now they like, on the door he's let's see if Kyrie could do this deep yeah the the scrutiny for sure team misunderstood is hilarious <laughs> i think that one is <laughs> that one is definitely funny for sure uh give me another one of yours I think you're going to love this one. And uh, it kind of pains me being, uh, you know, Real Madrid guy. And, you know, I love Cristiano. But I'm going to compare Cristiano to Russell Westbrook right now. Um, they're, both, they're both at the later stages of their careers. Um, you know, definitely. We, I think we can say they both have peaked. Ronaldo has a different game. And, you know, he's always a threat in front of goals still. Just like Westbrook is on the floor in the right situations. But, you know, like. As of yesterday, we heard about this Piers Morgan and Ronaldo, and he's just like airing out Man United. And, you know, not that Russ is doing that, but at the same time, he's kind of not buying in, also trying to play his way. Um, you know, just him going there was a bad fit overall. Um, similar with Ronaldo going back to United. And, you know, it seems like they both don't have a lot of stops left. Like, these could be their last stop. Um, you know, but you never know. Ronaldo could end up in MLS. Or, you know, still trying to get some European glory. And then Westbrook has gotten a little better as of the last few games. The first few games were, like, abysmal, even though, like, he has the best statistics for some of the players on the team, which is pretty ironic, um, considering all the things that the Lakers are going through. But, yeah, I think Cristiano and Russell Westbrook are very similar right now, as much as it pains me to say that, because I love CR7. When you paint a picture of where they're at in their career, this is a really good one, dude. Because mm-hmm. they both kind of went home in a way also, right? Like, he's right. from L.A., born and raised in L.A., so he goes back there. Ronaldo with Manchester United, uh, both of them had expectations that are just not being met. And a lot of them has to do with them, too. There's nothing worse than trying yep. to coach that aging star that's no longer a star. And in their cases, even superstars. So that's a, that's a really good one. I mean, we have to mes- mention Messi as LeBron James, right? Like, isn't that, that's, both are super accomplished, iconic players of their generation uh, in the discussion yeah. at, for being a GOAT at their sport. And yeah. guys who have gotten a lot of heat also for not delivering in big moments. Uh, Messi has not won up until the Copa America, the most recent one. He was going to semifinals and finals and not delivering. And then LeBron, yeah, he won finals. So it might be a little bit too harsh. But he was getting, he gets heat for losing as many times as he'd done in the finals. And I always come back to the conversation of like, yo, 
wouldn't you want your team to at least get to a finals? And now we're just flaming this dude for getting there and losing? Like, I never understood that dynamic. It's crazy to me. Dude, as Knicks fans, what would we do to have a decade-long run of, at worst, conference finals? No, the garden would explode, dude. They wouldn't be able to because they need to build a new arena. Listen, Bing Bong started after one Celtics win to start the season. I don't think we're ready for what we can eventually see if that ever does happen. Hey, man, <laughs> I'll say this and, and, until it happens. There's not a city in the world, in the world, and if you call me naive or ignorant, I don't care. I'm still going to stand by it, that wants their team to win more than New York City wants the Knicks to win. They will riot, and then they'll show up the next morning to clean up after themselves. Like, that's the one thing that New York, because it's the only team also in New York that there's no other rival. The Nets just got here, bro. The Nets don't count. Like, all real New Yorkers, we don't count the Brooklyn Nets. Mets had the Yankees, Islanders and Rangers, Jets and Giants. Like, there's, it's two different camps, right? It's two different gangs for each one of those sports. It's like, bro, if you're a New Yorker, you're down with the Knicks. It's the truth. Nah, I feel you on that. And kind of going back to the comparison real quick is everyone uses those failures that Messi and Ronaldo and uh, and LeBron have. Um, every time they get there and they lose or they don't show up in the in the big moment, and you know, because I, I use it when I debate against Messi. I'm just like, yo, what has he won recently? Like, you know, all right, the big stage is here. Is he gonna show up? And you know. Both of them have done it, but at the same time, you use the fact that they've done it less than they should have or than they could have, let's say, because them getting there so consistently is still really impressive to lose that many times in the finals. Like you mentioned, us, we're starving for that in New York. Um, but yeah, hell of a comparison. I really like that one. Give me your last one that you have. My last one here is, I'm going to say... Kevin De Bruyne is Jason Tatum. So here, what I went with with this one is both relatively young, um, both relatively dominant. They've both learned how to add to their game every year as they've gone on. You know, both on respective great teams. One's on Man City, and they're just a powerhouse. The other's on the Celtics, which is a well-known name within within hoops. So they're both on big teams, and you know, I, I feel like they just keep adding to their game and showing like I'm here, I'm him. And at a certain point they it kind of re- reminds me of, of the Luca conversation from a little bit earlier is kind of expecting these guys to go off to, to put their, their flag on the ground and say, I'm out here, I'm here for a while and this is what I'm doing. And I feel like they're both doing it in their respective sports and, you know, kind of just really enjoy watching them both, even though I don't like each of their teams, city and the Celtics. Yeah, those uh, those two clubs for you definitely don't hit home. It, uh, two nope. teams that you don't want to see do well. I like that one. That one's yep. interesting. Uh, De Bruyne on Belgium, another team who like, man, if you if you add the team success, also very similar to yep. the Celtics, right? Like when Tatum got there, they've made a bunch of conference finals up until last year. They never made it to the finals. Belgium hasn't made it to the a final in any major tournament. And we've coined them since like 2014 as this is the golden era for them. Hazard, Patois, his brother, the other Hazard who plays really well, De Bruyne, um, Lukaku also. 
you're looking at these guys as, damn, they all came up within like a year or two apart. Like this is the golden era and it just never delivered. And the Celtics too, like they drafted a bunch of their guys also. Um, I know they made the trade for like Brogdon and whatnot in the offseason. But for the most part, like it's always been like homegrown too. And that's a, that's a good comparison between the two, man. And they've had a lot of success like individually. They just haven't been able to really win with their, with their like country or with, with the Celtics. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. And then it reminds you that, you know, Belgium made that run and they just couldn't get to the final. They made it to the semis and they just struck out. So it's like they have all that talent. Uh, I wanted to dro- drop my name, Thibaut Courtois, in there. That's my boy from Real Madrid. Another, you know, elite talent that they have. Goalkeeper that's just defying all the odds. So like you said, they have all the talent in the world, just like how the Celtics have Brown. They have Robert Williams that's going to come back. You know, they have teams, but they just haven't gotten done yet, despite them being the best players and just keep getting better. It's pretty damn impressive. Man, I'm I'm a little worried about Belgium, bro. I think Belgium, Belgium, France, and England, I have a gut feeling one of those three don't make it out the group. You know, that'll, that'll be good for the headlines. You know me, you talk about scrolling Twitter, TikTok, and all that. The memes will be generational when things like that happen. So, like, I'm really interested in stuff like that because the slander gets turned all the way up. And not, it's, it's only going to be one winner at the end of the day. But to not get out the group stage and, and being that big of, of a country uh, with players of that stature, it's going to be tough. I mean, dude, it happens all the time, right? Like, like we said, Germany, last World Cup, they didn't make it out. Uh, the World Cup prior to that was, I believe, either Spain or the Netherlands. They had made it to the final, and then they didn't make it out the group. One of the one or the other. It it happens often. Right. Like Italy's not even in the World Cup, bro, and they won the Euro Cup last year. Like that's crazy too. Back to back World crazy. Cups, no Italy. It's like what the, like, that's that's crazy to not have a team of that magnitude. Uh, the last one, enough. the last one that I have here, dude. As we start to wrap this up, and then I definitely want to get your World Cup prediction because I gave mine out in the beginning of our conversation kind of. And then earlier when I had Alan on talking about the world cup, mine is, okay. and shouts to Alan, Croatia's finest. Modric is another one of your boys. Bro, a lot of Real Madrid love in this world cup, dude. Mm. A lot of Real so Madrid love. He's Chris Paul. Up there in age, they're around the same age. Uh, he's already mm. announced that this is his last, major run with Croatia as far as playing international soccer with them. Uh, a lot of his, a lot of the core of the Croatia team that was 40 to one to win the world cup in 2018, made it to the final. That would have been the biggest win for an underdog. Like historically, it's like a top six favorite wins it. I think the largest odds Jay have been Italy and they were nine to one in 06. Outside of that, it's like, there's not a surprise. There's been surprises that have gone there. But when it comes down to it, dude, the depth, the talent, like ultimately that prevails. But CP3, man, he's a guy who, point God was his nickname, facilitates, makes everyone around him better. Luka Modric with Real Madrid and Croatia makes everyone else around him better. And when you factor in their age and experience and delivering in, for the most part, in big games, I think that's a good one for those two guys. I like that one a lot, just knowing how we've watched the majority of their career in their respective sports and seeing them go to different teams, still be that leader, that facilitator, and hold it down, whether it's 
you know, Modric doing it for Madrid and Croatia. They had a nice deep run. They went to the final last time around. And it was kind of off the strength of him being able to put it together with that yep. team because they had their respective players that are really good, a lot of quality on that Croatia team. But he's the one. He's the maestro. He gets it done. And that's just what Chris Paul has been for the majority, if not his entire career, whether he was on the Hornets, the Rockets, OKC for that one to two years, and then now with Phoenix. Um, you could just see that with him going to the finals and, and striking out so the CBC slander lives on. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a good, great comparison. Hey, man, before I let you go, who you got winning the World Cup, bro? Let me put you on the spot here. Listen, I'm going to go with Brazil. And we speak about this a lot, how they... The World Cup champion is never the favorite, um, you know. So this is me kind of putting your hat on here, with the, knowing that they have the best odds, and you know, they're stacked. They have the players, and every player that they field is either in a starting eleven or on one of the best clubs in the world um, with, that are top flight uh, of each domestic league. So you know, gaming Brazil. We spoke about Vinicius. We spoke about Neymar. He's in the form of his life. And they just, you know, everyone called up their squads. So when you stack up everything on paper, it's fun to say, oh, on paper. So, like, definitely on paper. But you never know what could happen. Like, they weren't supposed to get railed by Germany the way they did. But it happened. Um, and, you know, maybe they bounced back from that. Maybe they needed that so they could get this one. Uh, and I'm going to say it's them just because I really like their quality, their talent. And let's see what they do. I, I think it's them also. I think the run of European teams winning the World Cup is going to come to an end. I think Brazil 2002 was the last non-European team. And it's either going to be Brazil or Argentina. And duh, right? I picked the two favorites. Right, One is 4-1, to one, yeah. one is 5-1. to one, But <laughs> them two are stacked top to bottom. Their defenses are good too. Like historically, we've always known about the offenses and all the firepower, but now they're very solid in the back, and they got great goalkeeping yep. too. And I yes. think it's going to be one of them two, dude. Um, and I think rather comfortably too. I think the path for both of them to make it to the semis before they would face each other, if both of them finished first in their group, they would play in the semis, which would be a bloodbath, right? Messi yeah, and Argentina that, against so Neymar. Ooh, that'd be crazy. That would be something where you might be able to say like, yo, the winner of that is going to win the World Cup. Like, that's the World Cup final. Literally. So, yeah, and then, you know, that's a whole bunch of... I like that I didn't realize that, but, you know, not, Europe not winning would be a big deal because they've been dominating. And then Champs League's pretty much all Europe. So, like, when someone from not not from Europe actually puts on or they make it to the final and they win, it's just like, all right, cool. And then you, you already know, I was watching soccer for a little bit, that Brazil versus Argentina is definitely going to get heated because of that South American rivalry. And then both of us, you know, residing in Queens at times in our life, it's going to get live out here, especially if it's against two South American teams. It's going to be pretty lit in Queens and across the globe, honestly. I mean, dude, if you look at the odds of the 11 teams, nine of the top 11 favorites are European, but the first two are South American. So it's going to be... Yeah. I can't wait, man. I can't wait. And us two are going to be doing some stuff on AMP. Uh, following each game, we'll be going live at 4 o'clock Eastern time, 1 o'clock Pacific. I got to get used to saying Pacific now, too, being outside of New York and being in the West Coast. But we'll be, we, we'll be going live on AMP. Uh, we'll be having a recurring guest coming on. And for those of you that tune in, download the app. We'll be in the bio 
you'll be able to download that and you could come and, and have the conversation with us too. And we'll be going for about 30 to 45 minutes after just running through the games and what we think. And there's going to be some funky guests coming on too. It's going to surprise a lot of people and we're going to have some good conversations on there. So download the app, follow us over there. And I'm looking forward to that, Jay. And as always, I appreciate you coming on. You're the man. Like Loving man. the hat. Appreciate you. Love the backdrop. Appreciate that. Shout already to New know York. How to put on. Always New York. I see Biggie on the chest. So you, you brought that out there. I want to say shout out to you doing the thing, having me on. And uh, looking forward to doing some more content with you for this World Cup. It should be pretty fun from a lot of highlight bangers of goals and assists to, you know, things getting chippy because, you know, I, this is this is it. This needs to be highlighted that this is the biggest stage and all of soccer and this is what everyone plays for uh, club football dominates obviously on a on a yearly because it's what they get paid for and they get paid millions but when you put on that kit for your for your country it's a different type of pride it's a different type of love and everyone's gonna be watching hell yeah man hell yeah it's gonna be a banger i cannot wait for this one of my favorite events that come around every couple of years Big ups to the members of the Patreon and to our new year-long subscriber, Juan Berrios. Juan, you're a legend. Thank you for joining the Patreon. We're at 60 members now and got some fun stuff going on in the Discord. And finally got the merch sent my way from Queens. So I'll be getting the merch out to everybody that I need to get the merch out to. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum is where you can find all things for the show. At Nick Day is 10 is where you can find me, veteransminimum.com, for your source of VM. We will catch you guys on the next episode. <laughs>